0: Ego in check, me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a date. (laughs) It's a date. Hello, I'm Peter Ayers and welcome back to Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about craft and career. The role of the intimacy coordinator is to support a screen or stage production by providing a safe, professional environment and clear structure and process for the choreography of intimate content. In the same way a stunt coordinator is engaged to realise a scene with physical risk, the intimacy coordinator is engaged to realise a creative, repeatable and safe intimate scene. It is a new role that observers of and participants in the industry are still becoming familiar with. To enlighten us and to dispel any of the mystery, Stages welcomes to this episode an old friend and champion of the entertainment industry in Australia, Chloe Delamore. Chloe is a recognised and much sought after presence on television and film sets and in rehearsal rooms as an intimacy coordinator. With a passion for dance, movement and choreography, and with a career spanning over 20 years, it would appear that Chloe is an ideal ally to assist in the management of such content, making the workplace a safer and efficient place for everyone.
1: Chloe Delamore. It is such
0: a thrill to see you again.
1: It is so beautiful to see you. Thank you.
0: You, of course, have been a, a guest on stages um, previously. I think it might have been my, my second year because I looked it up and the last time we spoke on the record was
1: 2019. 2019. Wowzers. So, so we're talking like B.C., before covid before
0: covid wow pc pre covid pre covid yeah wow before 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 the world went to shit really
1: well before we really relied on these kind of mediums of entertainment mm. so amazingly mm. so thanks
0: that's uh, my my pleasure they're an absolute delight especially when I get mm. to talk to people like you but in in the time since we last met you've been such so busy Uh, I know that you toured with Monkey Bar Children's Theatre in, uh, well, you tell me about it, because you played a kangaroo, didn't you?
1: I did, and a brolga, and a Russian ballet teacher. Uh, Yes, so Josephine Wants to Dance, which is Jackie French's beautiful book that was turned into a stage production by the team at Monkey Bar, and they're so incredible the way they they turn these beautiful Australian stories into into live theatre. And yeah, we toured all around Australia, which was phenomenal. Over five months I think. I'd never done a regional tour like that. And it was just and we went into Mariborough and Colac and Wow. Yeah, it was it was so special to um,
0: to do the regions Yeah. Victoria and New South Wales.
1: Totally. Yeah. Totally.
0: Because of course those um, communities and those those regional centres are, are are starved for, you know, terrific entertainment or, and children's entertainment like that that Monkey Bar would, would present.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the the live, those live productions in areas where it's just so difficult to get to those locations. Um, they're the ones that are probably the most rewarding because the children are just like sponges. And then Monkey Bar do these beautiful Q&As afterwards which are just magical because the questions that the children come out with are extraordinary. So we were... Our demographic was... It was 5 to 11, so it's just like... It's just brilliant. It's... So what yeah, were some gold. of the
0: questions that, that would come out with? Are there any that sort of really ping with you now? That well, you're yeah, there's yeah.
1: one who... Is, so the costumes were designed by James Brown. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Great designer. Stunning designer. And... We discovered that his father grew up in Meriden, which is between, which is in WA, in between Kalgoorlie and Perth. So it's right in the middle of nowhere. And the place was packed. So this was the, you know, the traditional old Meriden theatre. Gorgeous couple run it. And So James Brown had said, "Oh, you're going to my dad's old hometown, you know, etc." Anyway, in the Q and A, this beautiful young child got up uh, with glasses, and he said, "Hand on pearls, where did you get the costumes?" And we were like, oh, my God, you're one of us. You're going to dress us in the future. (laughs) It was just so beautiful. A little budding designer. Right. It was a budding designer in James Brown's father's old hometown. Anyway, they're they're the gems.
0: Maybe there's something in the water there that that feeds through the DNA. Yeah, it's pretty
1: dry through there, so it might be something more in the dust or the silos.
0: (laughs) Um, You're also a very accomplished businesswoman. You've been very busy with your... Pilates studio, mm. that must have been um, a challenging time through COVID to sort of keep, mm. you know, a fitness um, company going when people couldn't leave their home.
1: Yeah. So we went online within 36 hours of the lockdown being called. I could kind of feel something big was happening and it sounds really bizarre. But when I realised we might need to start putting our classes online, i'm I'm a bit of a Luddite, but at the Union we always used so at MEAA, we always used Zoom to do all of our conference calls. That was all I knew, so I thought, I'll just start practicing on Zoom. Apparently, I was ahead of the curveball, so <laughs> <laughs> so I practiced for two weeks and then suddenly the place shut down, and we went on to Zoom. so thanks to the union my Pilates business you had a a skill set I had a skill uh, set ready to go keep things afloat yeah so that was that was huge Um, I laugh now it was it was pretty intense I I delivered 450 live streamed online classes in a four month period it was it was huge wow yeah
0: and of course in since we've caught up you have stepped down as national president of Mia. Yeah. The Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance. Um in which you were a terrific champion for the industry, Chloe. Thank you, you you accomplished so much in your your presidency there. How long were you there?
1: Uh, seven years. Wow. So and something that people tend to um, either forget or not realise is that it is an unpaid position. So uh, to do it properly, it's a full time, it's a full time job, yeah. and I so loved my time there, um, but I think it it I felt as if I'd done what I was there to do, and I think my tenure became about um, artist well being and um, how to look after ourselves better and and basic essential. Um, uh, sort of best practice that's now embedded in so many um, so many theatre companies and productions and spa and yeah, yeah so. So
0: I guess in a way that was preparing you for a role that you now inhabit. Mm. Um, And I couldn't let this opportunity go by without having a really insightful conversation about this new role where you contribute to our industry in the role of uh, intimacy coordinator. Mm. This is uh, a job that has been flagged a lot um, with people uh, in the industry talking Mm. about... This new role on sets and in rehearsal rooms, mm. um, and also to the listener of, of stages, perhaps, what is it that an intimacy coordinator does? Mm. Or first of all, perhaps define.
1: Define intimacy coordinator. Great. So an intimacy coordinator exists on film and television, and an intimacy director is exists in live theatre. So if you had a fight scene. And you had two actors who have to um, have a fight. One of them has to be stabbed and one of them has to die.
0: So Game of Thrones. Something like that. They've got swords.
1: Would a director. Macbeth. Right, totally. All those scenarios, yeah. All those scenarios. Um, Yeah, I was thinking of, you know, Romeo and Mercutio and, you know. Um, Do you just give those actors a knife each and say... This is what has to happen in the scene. Just have a go and let's just see what happens.
0: This is your end mark. Go.
1: Just, yeah, just wing it. Let's do a bit of an improvisation with these knives. First of all, it's unlikely to look very good. It's unlikely because the actors have no training in how to fight or limited training. It's unlikely that it's going to look authentic And it's likely someone's going to get hurt Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have a fight director. So they choreograph it. They say, and we do, you know, punch, punch, uppercut. So then the actors know, punch, punch, uppercut. And then they act on top of that. So they know the beats within the fight. The beats in the fight are part of the storyline as well, telling the story of who's, where's the power play.
0: Actor B is reacting to actor A because it's been... Thought
1: through. Totally. We're going, what do we want the audience to take away from this Mm. fight? And then there's the resolution of the fight. So, intimacy coordinators and directors are fight directors for intimate scenes. So, just because I know how to hug or kiss someone that I want to hug or kiss doesn't mean that I want or instinctively know how to make it look authentic with someone I've just met, that I want to hug them or kiss them. But there's this weird kind of concept that because we do these things, because humans have sex or don't have sex, we assume that everyone knows how to perform these intimate acts but we don't ever actually talk about how we're going to do any of these scenes. It's it's the most bizarre thing. It's like there's sort of this weird ego around it. But we're given scripts where we're asked to do things that we don't do in normal life. And we're getting consultants to help us with dialect or stunt or fight or a dance number. Accent. So with yeah. So why don't we do the same thing with intimate scenes? Now we do. So we look at the scene, we say, what's the storytelling? What are we trying to say in this? What does this kiss say? Who instigates it? Who closes the gap? What's the power play? What's the intensity? How long does it last for? What's the full stop in the kiss? So that's what an intimacy coordinator and director So what, does.
0: what constitutes intimacy? Define that for me. Mm. Because are we just talking about kisses and hugs and, and, and sexuality? sex scenes Um, or can it sort of cover other things as well
1: so it's anything that occurs in the one metre circumference of our body so if you think of all the different things somebody's
0: personal space
1: yeah it's that thing when you're sitting on a train and someone's knee rests on your leg and you're like whoa (laughs) or someone who comes close and you ask and you think I've got no sense of personal boundary they're within that one meter circumference so
0: so that could also reach to um scenes of intimidation if someone has to come in really close to somebody's face so it can
1: be bathing an elderly person of
0: course
1: holding a baby breastfeeding giving birth yelling at someone at close proximity slapping someone Kissing them. Well, that's right. Stroking yes. their face. How many times have we seen an actor play them. a
0: parent, you know, and they're using a child that is not their child. That
1: is not their child. Yeah. So, um, I love working on productions where you've got actors and child actors coming together to play a family. Um, the way I like to work now, I find the the best way for me to work is not just come in and do separate scenes you know if there's a a particular scene that is has intimacy in it if there is an ongoing theme of intimacy through a whole production if you can equip all of the actors with kind of a little toolkit best practice and language that they can use with one another and with the director it means that they can actually self-navigate all of the itty bitty intimacy that exists in everyday life: holding hands, piggybacking a child, ruffling a child's head, etc. Because um, it's so important that children have agency as well. Yeah. Because when you stop and think about the number of times we were told as children, "Now go and kiss Auntie Beryl," yes. like we're told, like when given, "No, would you like to kiss Auntie Beryl?" And,
0: and then Auntie Beryl grabs your cheeks and just right? squeezes.
1: Auntie Beryl doesn't ask if it's okay if they squeeze your cheeks, and it's so fascinating when you work with um, with young actors and they give you the feedback and they go, "Oh, so and so um, has you know, could you ask them if they could have a mint because they've got really bad breath or they I can smell their cigarette or like they are so switched on and they're impacted just because they're children doesn't mean that they are not also impacted by this intimate. Content, but we just expect them to be used to it because we're adults and they're children. It's yeah.
0: yeah. I suppose you know an actor couldn't uh, agree to nudity, mm. and that's dealt with by their agent in, in the contract and, mm. and all that sort of thing. Um, but it's not till they get on set or in the rehearsal room that they're aware of what that nudity mm. will involve, whether it's undressing in front of a camera or whether it's mm. quite graphic. What Part of the body is being um, focused on, all those sorts of things. So, is that where you come in to work out with the creatives too, I guess, about what is um, appropriate, acceptable, uh, reasonable?
1: Yeah, spot on. So, our job starts in pre production when we're talking with the director and often the writer, if the writer is involved, to find out what their vision is for certain scenes particularly simulated sex scenes or anything that involves nudity so nudity and simulated sex you definitely want us on set and consulting um because we can help navigate exactly these conversations that you're talking about because sometimes an actor will read the scene and think oh i'm imagining it's xyz and the director and the writer have gone we're imagining it's yzx and then that's when the problems occur because those parties arrive on set on the day and none of the conversations have been had and no one is on the same page. So I start with the director, then I go and chat with the actors to find out whether there are any parameters that um, they particularly have. Then I go back to the director. There, is, there are always solutions. Unless the actor hasn't read the script properly before signing the contract, and they've actually missed a scene, that is the actor's responsibility to know that when they are signing a contract, they have read that whole script, not just leaning into their audition sides and going, oh, when I auditioned, it was only this and this. They've read the whole script. When it comes to subtleties, we can always find solutions. And we then start to navigate talking with the art department and costume, and because it depends what's on the floor. If you've got a nude scene... Three thousand years of longing. George Miller's Three Thousand Years of Longing. Eighteen nude women, and every surface was covered in faux fur. It gets hot. We have to then talk to electrics about having fans on set and making sure that we're able to keep everyone cool. And so there's and I suppose there's, there's considerations
0: lots. Of, of menstruation too happening.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the yeah. That that's one of the personal questions that I always. Ask the actors whether they feel that their cycle might land during shoot schedule, and yeah, we have all of those have oh. all of those conversations. Yeah, gee, mm.
0: all those conversations I'd, I'd never never thought of. And mm. um, while we're on that track, then at the risk of sounding like fifteen year old me, <laughs> um, simulated sex scenes have always fascinated me because you look at them, and <laughs> some of them are so authentic. Yeah, but obviously, it's not happening. I mean. If it was happening, so it would not. be pornography. <laughs> um, so, how is how is that choreographed? And um, the male, are they wearing some sort of modesty sock? Or you know, you hear of things like that. Is, is that the the go? Yes. Yeah, so so the parts don't touch.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So the basic brown, brown rules, the basic ground rules, are that uh, nothing penetrates any orifice. So there are no tongues in kissing scenes. Um, there's no um, there's no penetration of the lower body uh, no genitalia touch so we have barrier items cushions modesty pieces etc they're all rehearsed fully clothed and I have cushions and all sorts of stuff that we put in place so that everyone can rehearse and we can look at um, positions and so on which also depend on camera angles um, the director of photography's vision, the director's vision, um, so that um, we get as comfortable as possible, fully clothed. We laugh a lot. There is a lot of that laughter. Would, that would be very important. Yep, I have two. Um, I have two um, dolls that have all opposable um, limbs. And so we often mark out choreography using using them, so that no one has to demonstrate on someone else. Right. Um, yeah, so it's it's we improvise it's a, and a play just like you would do a dance number yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: What about erections?
1: Yes, <laughs> okay. d, d, um, it's um, the most common question.
0: Well, that's something that a, a fellow would be yeah. afraid of, yeah, of happening, but. But in the, um, in, in the work scenario, is that something that would?
1: So in the four years I've been doing this, uh, no one has asked to leave set because of an erection. I think mainly because on set there is nothing romantic <laughs> about those sets. Yeah. You've got, even if it's a closed set... You still have a minimum of six people in the room with you. All there doing their job. And then you've got a number of people outside the set watching it all streamed through a device. Everyone doing their job. Yeah. Um, there's nothing sexy. There's nothing racy. And there is nothing romantic about that scenario. So it, it tends not to incite um, arousal. Young actors opt are very worried about it, especially if it's their first intimate scene. And I always remind them that an erection, at f- that that first erection is a is an animalistic response. It's the body going, oh, I might have sex. It is not an emotional response. It's not because they fancy their co-star. No. So I tell them that straight up. Yeah. And I tell them with their co-star. And I say, so if it does happen... Don't be flattered because it's not you. Yeah. You haven't caused that. Yeah, It's animal response. So uh, once they kind of know that and once that's out in the open, they can just sort of shift that paranoia to the side. Yeah. Um it's being
0: transparent as possible.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks. Uh, sorry for getting into that detail, but I, <laughs> I love it. I know there's somebody out there listening who wants me to ask that. Totally. So, but uh, but that, that's very insightful. Very insightful. So so Chloe, how how do you become an intimacy coordinator? Obviously, mm. there's training involved. Is mm. there a, a a psychology study which is required, mm. or you have to understand um, the human condition, I suppose, and you also have to be a great uh, mediator and communicator. Mm.
1: So most of us who've come to the intimacy landscape have had a minimum of 10 years in the industry in some form of movement basis. So whether it's dance, stunts, fight, gymnastics, we tend to have had foundations in basic biomechanics, anatomy, physiology, we know how the body works. Um, because you do have to sculpt and choreograph scenes, so you need to you need to be able to guide people as to how to be aware of their bodies, what should be moving where, etc. And then y- we usually have had a background in some form of people management previously, so whether it's as a you know a resident director or a resident choreographer or um, some people also come from a an element of health background whether it's um physical therapy mental health counselor etc that's not um we're not so we are we are physical practitioners and we are conversation starters but we are not counsellors and therapists yes we're on alert for someone who may need further support in order to do their best work to play this role our job is to help actors understand they're making character choices not personal choices so that they're not re-traumatising themselves if they do have lived experience in some of these themes that they might be portraying Um, but actors want to do a good job. They don't want to be psychoanalyzed. That's not what we're there to do. We're there to help them do their best work and tell this story. So we all tend to come from slightly different backgrounds. Um, You have to want to love helping people and asking questions and bringing people together and I think that's the thing I love the most is that you have all of these isolated conversations with people and it can be hours and hours of coordinating information and and consolidating and, and sharing and then on the day Everyone knows what their job is. And I always say, if I look as if I'm not doing anything on the day, it means I've done my job because mm-hmm. everyone just goes ahead, gets on with the job, and I'm just literally there tweaking and just adjusting some angles, etc. Um, Because, as we all know, if you have had a good conversation about something in advance, it's all going to unfold seamlessly. So that's the greatest joy.
0: So supporting the actors, but... Um you know, it's establishing those conversations and being the conduit between all sorts of people, I suppose. Mm. I mean, costumes would certainly play a big part in um, in the presentation of yeah. intimacy yeah. Um, in theatre and, and on, on screen. So totally. you talk to the costume department about yeah. um, what is re- what is revealed, what somebody has to wear Are they comfortable in it?
1: Totally, totally. And talking about the different options we should have there on the day, I always think if we've got the options, because sometimes an actor will say, yeah, 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 I'm totally fine with, you know, totally fine to go topless. And then on the day, there doesn't have to be a reason, but they may feel, actually, I'd like to keep the bra on. That's their absolute right to make that to make that call so we need to make sure we've got options there so that we're not waiting for costume to go back and pick up a bra etc so you're trying to stay on the front foot so costume uh, art department uh, director of photography um what's great is that so many of them now know how we work and will step into the conversation on the front foot saying I'm thinking what I'd like to do in this shot is XYZ. So then we can go, aha, uh-huh, okay, great. And so it just reduces down the faffing on set time as everyone's trying to work out what's going to look best. So the more we can do at that front end, the quicker the scenes occur.
0: Sometimes um Television and film sets are very pressured, and they have to get a shot <laughs> so before pressured. the end of the day, and and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. And I suppose, um, sometimes actors' comfortability with intimate yeah. scenes might be pushed a little bit. Yeah. Um. Have you ever had to step in and just put a halt to production or something and say, "This is not right. We can't really go ahead with this because of ABC."
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And. Uh, I bet that makes you very popular, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they do not want my mug <laughs> in front of a camera um, uh yeah, it usually happens when people are just getting tired. It's usually not deliberate, yeah. it tends to be towards the end of the day when you're running out of light or you know the clock is ticking, and some masking just hasn't been pulled back into place and that's when I just have to go. I'm so sorry. I hate to be that person, but this doesn't look like a closed set. And everyone goes, "Yep, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right." So, I look. I don't like to think of us as policing. Intimacy coordinators and directors are there to to facilitate, but yes, we are there just to just to keep an eye on ensuring that. Um, best practices is upheld but isn't everyone on set and it's also it's not just about the actors as well this is about it's also about crew because these crew haven't chosen to film a simulated sex scene so they also come with lived experience so they also need to be respected just as much as the actors they need to know what they're going to see Mm. um I'm trying to get it embedded a bit more, um, especially into more... um, ..into productions where there there are themes that that can be activating because we just don't know who might have had a stillbirth or a miscarriage or been involved in domestic violence or experienced a um, non-consensual sex attack. So we're all humans and... If you can give crew knowledge in advance, it means that they can make the best decision for themselves so they know they they can also do their best work because there's very much a mentality of yeah, no, we'll be right, we'll just keep going and as we know, the statistics on you know crew mental health and crew suicide and so on is is not good it's we've we've got to look after them as well mm-hmm.
0: so obviously you know from what you present, this is an essential role um, for um, the the industry. Um, it's probably a role, dare I say, that really has only started to eventuate in the last six years or so. Is it really sort of becoming to of. the fore because of the Weinstein allegations and um, and uh, and the repercussions of all of that, uh, mm-hmm. making the industry be responsible so mm-hmm. that stuff like that doesn't happen again?
1: Yeah, it's it's you. Absolutely right, as always. Um, and, look, I think it would have... It's a it's a fine line because intimacy coordinators and directors don't exist because of Me Too. We're not just there for women. That's sometimes a, um, an assumption that we're there to look after the women. <laughs> we are there for everyone, for every gender orientation, for every soul on that set uh, and
0: sexuality also. and sexuality yeah, yeah. exactly
1: yeah. exactly. With the storylines that are being told now you have you have actors um, having to portray sexual content that is absolutely not part of their lived experience. Yeah. So um, me too catapulted, the work of intimacy coordinators and directors to the forefront so that we kind of achieved within about two years what might have taken about 10 otherwise. I think we would have gotten to the same place but it would have I think it would have taken a good solid decade to get there. So I always say thank you so much Harvey for your uh, <laughs> for your uh,
0: the germ of the idea yes the germ the, of the idea the, uh, exactly
1: yeah, it's yeah. um yeah it's it's definitely been the the gift of that movement has definitely been this this forward traction in terms of advocating in that landscape is is
0: it now mandatory that uh, an IC be present in a rehearsal room or mm. on a set at all times or if, if the producers mm. are aware that there is going to be uh, a scene of concern with intimacy, mm. that they then call you.
1: So in Australia, it is best practice that an intimacy coordinator is on set and in rehearsal for anything involving simulated sex or nudity. Or hyperexposure so hyperexposure is anything where there's a, a very focused gaze so for example a, um, a body on a slab in the morgue or a um, birth so SPA so our Screen Producers Association was consulted on the intimacy guidelines that MEAA created and that therefore means that it is best practice to engage an intimacy coordinator. So the next question is: So what are the what are the actual legal requirements? Well, if things don't go well, and they haven't engaged an intimacy coordinator, that's when legalities could get curly. So,
0: but well, like most industries, I would imagine that they would have to have some risk assessment with WHS and you know totally. all that paperwork should be done. So yeah.
1: yes, exactly. So the next thing I was going to say is that for some companies, intimacy coordinators are embedded under their OHS. So Channel Seven, Fremantle, yeah, lots of lots of those organizations yep. have intimacy coordinators embedded in um in OHS. Yeah. Which sometimes it can feel as if you're there to tick a box because sometimes employers don't fully understand the breadth of what we can actually do but that's okay I think the education will keep it'll keep happening and the fact that we're there is you know is wonderful
0: I want to throw um, a couple of scenarios at mm. you. Um, so the pot, the famous pottery scene in Ghost with yes. Patrick Swayze yep. and Demi Moore. Yeah, it's it's quite romantic. It's loving. It's yep. it's a very intimate scene. Yeah. How would you go about working with with Patrick and, and Demi <laughs> to to create that scene? Is that an odd quest or no? Not at all.
1: It's a great one. It's yep. a great one because it's super. It's actually super simple. Yep. So. I would have said to the director, "What's your vision for this scene?" And they would have said, "Oh, I'd really like them kind of, you know, somehow sitting. Maybe he's sort of behind her, or you know, something where they both of their hands end up on the, you know, on the, the clay, etc." And you go, "Great!" And so then uh, independent conversations with the actors, and they go, "Oh, well, you know, I'm assuming there's no nudity. No, there's no nudity. Great. Yeah, no, I'm all good." Uh, we'd have a rehearsal, and we just play around with positions and so on. And we would ha- we would use consent language to find what those positions are. Um, they would have they would know what their setup was, and then you go great, and now you get on with the acting.
0: Terrific! All right. What about working with Janet Lee in Psycho and the shower scene? <laughs>
1: because
0: she's naked. Um, yeah. There's, it, it, it ends yep. with a violent murder. Yeah. With Perkins coming in and the slashing of the knife yep. and all that sort of thing. Even yep. though Hitchcock does a great job yep. of, of implying all yep. of that. But um, yep. obviously, Miss Lee is very vulnerable.
1: Yeah. Um, anything that has a theme of that kind, any of those kind of um, darker themes, more violent themes, um, straight away, I, I would personally consult with. A psychologist and check what kind of um, markers I might be looking for when talking to the actor in regards to um, things that might I might need to be aware of that mean that the scene could have an impact on the actor um, I would also suggest that the production engage a counselor or a um, or a psychologist that the actor could talk to yep. Uh, and that's happening more and more now, and again, you'd you'd block it out and you'd say what's the what's the vision? What are we trying to say in the story so that it separates the actor from feeling as if they are perpetrating or they are experiencing the violence, et cetera. Yeah. So um, yeah, talk it through again and block it very clinically.
0: Right, I'm playing. Um, I was going to say I'm playing a new parent. Oh, no. Okay, but I'm probably I'm probably grandfather. <laughs> okay, um, and I have to carry a baby around, you know, yep. strapped to my to chest. my chest there, yeah, you know, in the little sort of um, yep. pack um, strap thing, mm. yeah. So, how would you um, direct me in 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 that scenario? I've not seen the baby before. Is mum on set? Um, how does that work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have great admiration for parents who let their
0: newborn babies yeah.
1: be held by Well, I used to watch yeah you know, I
0: loved Call the Midwife.
1: Oh is was a wonderful a wonderful
0: wonderful show and the amount of newborns in oh, that my show Lordy. I don't, where do they
1: get them all right? from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, yes, so mum would be I mean mum's seen as the guardian cuz the child can't the baby can't consent. Uh, can't verbally consent so yes mum is is there on set you'd also in that situation also make sure that you you have the unit nurse or maybe even a um a midwife or something like that present depends on the age of the child just because handling of babies and so on is very particular and Again, we are not medicos, so I want to make sure that we've got all the appropriate consultation and making sure that the baby's looked after by the actor.
0: Wow. Lots to consider. Mm. We've talked a lot about um, televisions and and film sets. The rehearsal rooms for theatre, are Mm. are they very different? And, um, Mm. you know, there you have folk like stage managers who really oversee the running of, Mm. of everything... How is that? How does that differ? Your work there. Theatre
1: is so lovely because yeah. there's time. Yeah. <laughs> I always walk into the theatre rehearsals and I'm kind of bouncing off the walls because in television and film it's like quick, 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 quick. You know, hurry up, hurry up. And then in theatre it's like great. So we've got got a couple of hours to do this kiss. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. So we can play consent games and and breaking the ice games, and we can really kind of play Um, and the stage manager is always present, director always present and it's very much a collaborative process on the floor with the director Um, and the stage manager will then be noting what the blocked choreography is and then we also put in place whether it's pre-show check-ins or like a weekly check-in, which is just like doing a safety call on a fight scene, Mm. so that if things start to change... So, for example, if there's a scene where um, where one character is maybe starting to remove the clothing of another character, because it's live theatre, as you know, things just change because we're human... Mm. And so that weekly check-in or that pre-show check-in means that if something's not gone right the night before, you know, a belt's gotten stuck or, you know, a hand has brushed over a breast when it's not, hasn't been blocked that way, you can say to the stage manager, can we actually just block that again? Just revisit our blocking. And no one gets offended because I'm not saying, Peter, you're grabbing my boob. Like we don't have to have that awkward yep. and I don't have to sort of use colloquial phrases. I can say to the stage manager, can we go through that again? Cause something's just slightly changed and it just takes all of the, it takes all of the angst yep. out of it yep. and it just turns it into professional process. Just like your Corrie, just like your fight scene.
0: Yeah. What about before the job, you mm. know, the audition, the screen yes. test? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there might be some requirement in the script for intimate, intimate yeah. relations—a a kiss, um, a hug, uh, whatever. H- how, how are actors? How should they negotiate those um, scenarios? Because obviously, mm. an intimacy coordinator is not in, in the, the room. audition room. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Totally, You're so right. Um, so in auditions, there is no need for there to be any kissing or any um, simulated sex. <laughs> it, it there there is still kissing in auditions. Yeah. I, I hear actors say, oh yeah, no, it's all right actually in the chemistry test we um we had to kiss. I'm like, oh, COVID landscape. Like yeah. haven't we learned anything? Yeah, yeah. Um, you haven't got the job, you haven't been paid to do that. You haven't had any conversations. Um, so, it's the same
0: as learning dialogue. The, the, a kiss. I'm just being devil's advocate here. I
1: know you are because I can see your face. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the listeners could see your face. right Because now. you know the, the
0: novice actor who's keen to impress. You know actors don't want to be perceived know, as difficult right? or whatever. So you know that new graduate That's half the would problem. think, well, this is this is what I have to do. This is obviously yeah. expected.
1: So you've nailed it. The the consent is all about Education. power play.
0: Yeah, all power play. Yeah
1: that you think actors think oh wow well you know this casting director holds my future in their hands or the director watching this I want them to think I'm a brave courageous actor so I'm just going to go in and kiss this person that I don't know Mm. um yeah it's not going to kissing someone is not going to get you the job um And particularly now, no director or casting director would expect an actor to be doing that. You can see chemistry by people just walking within that one metre distance away from one another. They don't even need to kiss. I mean the chemistry we have right now, Peter. Oh, that's
0: wonderful. <laughs> well, you're you're over you're over I'm the, the other, other side of, of the, the table. table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was telling you, that's about 25 years ago when I graduated from um, drama school, and I went for a, uh, a, a casting for a commercial. It was an American company who yeah. were casting for um, a food outlet that they had, and that the the ad was going to take place in the bush with uh, a lot of um, Aussie Aussie fellas, Aussie right. blokes eating this food. Yeah. So um, I got. Got a recall, and I had to show up with these two other blokes who were obviously members of Thunder Down Under, or (laughs) you know, they looked like beefcake strippers, you know, they were great. And then they asked us to take our shirts off, so we had to stand there. Now, I don't know whether that was just a kinky American director or whatever, but I thought, oh, and I was a little bit, oh, because I have a belly, and Mm. I just thought, hmm. Okay, all right. So here I am standing in the middle of you know Hercules One and Hercules Two, but who got the job?
1: Did you get? I the job? got the job
0: because because I looked authentic, I suppose. But anyway, it was for a moment there a little bit of a um uh, intimidating. Um, and see how vividly experience. you remember. it. Oh, it's, I've never forgotten it. Yeah.
1: And that's just not necessary. If they mm. need to see, if they need to see. What's underneath your T-shirt? They go back to your agent and say, "Can you please take a photo?" Mm. And it gets sent on a secure format. It gets viewed and deleted. It's like
0: but in the ad, none of us had our shirts off. Oh, we're all costumed. What? So it had nothing to do oh with my exposing bodies or anything like that. So oh, that's yeah, just, I always thought that was
1: that's deeply that's bizarre. Yeah, that's not right.
0: Um, but you know, still I figure I got off light there compared to what, you know, some unfortunate people have been talked into.
1: That's tedious. Mm. Yes. So note to listeners, you do not need to remove your clothing in any casting. Hmm.
0: Now, how does a company, um, theatre company or film company, find a reputable professional intimacy coordinator? Mm. Um, is there like a bat phone, and you just ring it up? I so know.
1: I you know. wish there was. I wish there was. Um, uh, uh, there isn't a. We don't have a, a, a regulating body as yet. Um, that's something that's sort of in the in the pipeline. We all know one another, though, so. We're constantly recommending one another for different jobs. Because there's on quite a few areas. of you around yeah, now, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Mm. The, um, and depending on area of expertise, like um, certain intimacy coordinators will have certain cultural expertise or um, uh, specialise in disability sector. It's it, it's so great to be able to listen to someone's project and say, yeah, I'm." as much as I would love that, you actually need this person over here mm. um, that's wonderful so uh, so yes um, Google Google to find any of us
0: <laughs> intimacy coordinators Australia there's intimacy
1: coordinate yeah, yeah that's Michaela Bannis Nigel Poulton and myself that yeah. that's a resource that um, that website and we do get inquiries about work through there and that is where we do then send a lot of stuff off to off to other people but yes intimacy coordinators australia.com.au was um, uh, is definitely a great starting point yep. and then we can we can pass anyone on from there great
0: mm. so in, um, intimacy coordination um, your Pilates studio mm. have you hung up your dancing shoes are you still um, do you, still you ever a, a performer for hire or are you still out there
1: do you ever I don't or will think will we
0: see you on stages again not not stages the podcast, of course. I but like, on well, that depends on you, doesn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. it? <laughs> oh, you'll be back for a third time, Six I'm sure. Dollar. But um, uh, as I say that, I remember you're about to do a musical, though, aren't you? Return to the musical uh, stage with Le Carre Folle.
1: Yeah, I'm so excited. Madame I, Jacqueline. That's, that's it. And with beautiful uh, Paul Capsis, whom I have admired for ever. Yeah. So, yeah, really special
0: And you've, you're you in uh, the scene in the show Which has one of the best numbers, I think mm. The best of times
1: mm. yeah. yeah, so good So, so we, good.
0: We, that's playing this year, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, so playing in 2022 in From November the 22nd No, 27th To only December the 3rd It's about six shows Hot hmm. minute Wow
0: And people can Google that, I'm sure. It's at the Concourse in Chatswood. Michael Cormick. In
1: Oz. Michael Cormick.
0: Um, Stephen Dennis.
1: Yeah. Zoe Ventura.
0: Yeah. Great cars. Yeah. Amazing. You're going to have a lot of fun. It's a fabulous Mm. show. Well, Chloe Delamore, it is so wonderful to, uh, to see you and especially you. to to learn all about intimacy coordination. It is a, a fascinating role that people are fulfilling uh, in uh, studios and rehearsal rooms around the country and indeed around the world. Mm, so um, yeah. bravo you. Once again, you contribute so generously and, and passionately to, to our industry and uh, it is certainly much appreciated. So
1: Thank you. Likewise. All strength to you back at you. <laughs> Thanks, Quite Chloe. The love. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye.
0: There's always someone of great interest to be heard on The Stage's podcast, and a variety of roles are explored and celebrated. Look back through the archives and you'll get access to directors, designers and drag performers, producers, publicists and playwrights, agents and actors, choreographers and casting people, emerging talents and established legends all available to access On Stages, the podcast that converses with creatives about their craft, career and creativity. I'm Peter Ayers. Keep well, keep warm, stay safe. And I'll catch you next time on Stages.